Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Hello everyone, this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein, somehow a little belated, I'm in, in Spain on the island of Mallorca, and for you Americans who don't know where that is, it's a little island right outside of the east coast of Spain, not far from Africa. <laughs> and I'm sitting here with my guest for today, Nils Burwitz, and Nils Burwitz is a world-famous artist, and no, he will just kind of twitch his eyes a little bit when I say that. He's very, very humble, but I'm here with him today. I'm sorry we are a little late for this particular show. I don't know how many have stayed and have waited for us, but of course, if you tune in to the archives later on, you will be able to listen to us. Nils Burwitz, say hello to everyone. Good evening to you. And just briefly to tell you, this uh, artist, roving artist, has been living 17 years in Germany, east and west, 17 years in South Africa, and now 31 years in Spain, on the island of Mallorca. And I'm back to our host. And, you know, when I was traveling on the plane from America over to Europe, and this was a European airline, and as always, I looked at the pocket in front, in, in the seat in front of me, and pulled out the airline magazine. And I flipped through the pages, and who do I see there? A full-page picture of Nils. And do you know what I saw first? I saw his eyes. <laughs> it was like those eyes were looking at me, and he has those beautiful blue eyes, and they're eyes of the soul. And this is also what we can see in Nils's paintings. Nils, um, you are a famous artist, and what is different about you, do you think? I know what's different about you somehow, and I feel that you are representing the soul. Can you tell us something more? I think you're right into it, and I'm going to explain that painting that um, your hostess saw tonight or the other day when she was flying. And it's a painting that I did the day after a miracle happened in our little village. Our village is called Valdemosa, and it is the birthplace of the only saint on the island, and her name is Santa Catalina. And Santa Catalina had to work overtime that day, and I was just about to leave my studio with two visitors from Naples, and at that particular moment, a young boy crashed through my uh, light, uh, let's put it this way, a window in the ceiling and landed on the floor. And that was a five-meter fall. He bled, and, uh, but he survived beautifully. I carried him to the doctor, and um, the next day I did this painting, and a year later they took a photograph of the artist together with the boy, little Martin from Ecuador, an immigrant to this island, who was then six years old, now seven years old, and he's in my arms, and we're just still thanking the saint that she was holding her holy hand over this. So I believe in miracles. I still believe in miracles. I think that's the main thing. So do I, and I think we all do. And it's in a way a miracle that we could make this show right now because we couldn't get through. We're half hour late. We couldn't get through because of some 
technical wonders of the Spanish telephone system, maybe. I'm not quite sure, but here we are. With me, I also have Ned's wonderful wife, Marina. And uh, Marina is here because Neil so much wanted her to be here. And I think it's so nice when a husband says, well, I want my wife to be there too. And Marina has always been the one who's been with Nils. And I think it's so important to have a wonderful wife together with an artist. Hello. I'm Marina, and I do belong to Nils, but he belongs to me, and we belong to one another and our family. And all I can say is that it is just so superb living in this village together here. And I think we've been just very blessed, Nils and I, that we have this marvelous relationship. Forty, what's it, how many? Forty-seven, forty-four years or something like that we've been together. And I tell you, he's like a good bottle of wine. He gets better with time. I, I don't know if I look better. Neither does he look better, but we still like one another. And on top of it all, we're very good friends. But I won't talk more here, Selena. And isn't that good for an artist to have that kind of wife supporting him? And what I feel is so good about Marina, and she said that, you know, I'm not jealous of his work. And you see that a lot in this kind of field. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> we only have one telephone here. Usually we cut in on each other's conversation, as you know from before. But now we have to share one telephone. So it, it will sound a little bit more like a, like a party. Eleanor said that I am not jealous of Nils's work. I'm so glad. You see, it, I, it's not difficult to be... I don't think I'd be jealous of his work ever because it's not another woman. It's like when Nils put in a beautiful door into our house, a very old, old door, and he sat there and he looked at this door and he was ooing and eyeing over it and I looked at it and I thought, I'm so glad he's ooing and eyeing over a door. Anyway, I still, you know, I do still have my bits of jealousies, but that's nothing big. Here's Nils. Of course, I have to travel um, quite a bit with doing church windows, which I do mainly in German studios. But uh, they all ask, you know, what about your wife? Where is she? And I said, well, Marina is at home. She's looking after six grandchildren. And um, if she would leave the island, a friend of ours said, I'm sure... Um, the pillar would be pulled away from the island. It would just drown, sink. Oh. But there she is, holding the fort. I have seen your photograph with so many famous people, and one picture that kind of caught my eye was you with Nelson Mandela. Of course, you having lived in South Africa. What is your relationship with Nelson Mandela or his philosophy? Can you tell us a little bit about that, Nelson? Ooh, that's a long story. Let me make it brief and say that in South Africa, I was probably the pioneer in working on resistance art, resistance to the apartheid regime, which I experienced as a young immigrant and then as a student at university in Johannesburg, the Witwatersrand University. Some of you might know this. And this was in 69 that the really tough stance against the government, official government, policy uh, started my work and um, of course there was Mandela in the background he was sitting in prison and I once made a particular graphic work which was in fact based on a 
engagement kiss or possibly a wedding kiss, nose kiss of Winnie and Nelson Mandela uh, before he was locked away. And um, I used the silhouette, just the silhouette. Think of it, I couldn't reproduce Nelson Mandela while he was in prison in South Africa. So I used um, a kind of uh, psychogram of the two profiles of Winnie Nelson Mandela. And when he was released eventually, through circumstances, I was able to meet Winnie Nelson Mandela and show them the graphic that I did of this particular photograph. And this was about uh, half a year after the release. We're talking about 1990, if you remember. And, um, well, uh, they said it was the nose kiss of their wedding ceremony. So I made them sign the print on their faces, Winnie and Nelson Mandela, and it was, in fact, the night before they divorced. So I have a very unique document where they have both signed their names. And uh, then I met uh, Nelson Mandela again when we were filming uh, five years later the first council elections in South Africa and uh, for the German television team. And uh, we recall the scene, and I think um, um, there is just no measure of admiration big enough for this man who is um, an extraordinary personality. I've survived all this. And let me just say one thing to really prove his generosity, his extraordinary, well, Christian attitude of forgiving, I think this is very important, is once he was released, he one of the first trips he made was to the widow of the then president, Favort, who was the one who imprisoned him 29 years before. He went to the widow and he had tea with her in the Orange Free State to make up and say, uh, we must go on, we must look into the future, and we must be brothers and sisters. That's such a beautiful story. And, of course, Mandela is the one who says, how is it that we are afraid of the lightness and and not that we are afraid of the darkness? We should accept the light within us and not the darkness. And that is one of the things that he was saying. And uh, Nels, you are what I call a child of World War II, aren't you? And both you and your wife basically are. I know Marina came from Russia, and her parents evidently came to South Africa. And how did how did this happen? You were born in in East Germany, and how, what is the story? How did you get and end up to in in South Africa? Well, I was five years old when we fled. The Russians had already occupied our hometown, which was uh, sort of just behind the Iron Curtain, which is now Poland forever. And uh, no regrets about that. We've made a new existence here. And um, let me just say, we fled to West Germany, and we never really settled properly in West Germany. I changed school about nine times. And then my parents emigrated in this post-war trauma to South Africa to start a new life. I went along as a pupil still at school and then went to university in South Africa. So uh, it's it's a long story of uh, two families, in fact, meeting in South Africa in the most curious ways in the home of a Russian Don Cossack singer, Mr. Ivanov, who my stepfather was recording. He was a Swede, by the way. He was Sven Josefsson, who was the sound engineer for Ingmar Bergman in his early stages in the uh, Swedish film industry. But he immigrated to South Africa to sell 
top equipment and acoustics. And my mother became his secretary and eventually his wife. And um, so through the recording studio, um, we met a Mr. Ivanov. And Mr. Ivanov's wife said, uh, there is an art student whom I know in uh, Johannesburg at the moment. Her name is Marina Shvetsova, and uh, the two should meet. So they made a kind of match behind our back. And when we met that day, we obviously didn't know about this match, but the two mothers, my future mother-in-law and my mother, were talking about the same experiences in their youth in Dresden. My mother-in-law about as a Russian refugee from the First World War, from the Revolution, and my mother, of course, as a young uh, woman. And so there was a family background which matched perfectly, and there was an immediate understanding of the two youngsters. And, well, here we are 44 years later together. I hope everyone heard that comment in the background from Marina, not so young anymore, but love never dies. And generously at this particular time now, Nils has poured up a glass of beautiful Spanish cava in front of us, and of course, who would say no to that? Anyway, um, I am very impressed by Nils's work, and I even bought one of his paintings, and I call it Creation. I think he has a different name for it, but to me it's Creation because it just shows the the darkness and the light in a way shows the earth and the sky and the water somehow and before anything else came to life. And I notice that you have a lot of horizontal lines in your paintings nowadays. Can you tell me about that? Well, those are memories of Africa. and It couldn't be a more apt day to talk about memories of Africa the day that Sidney Pollack or the day after Sidney Pollack died with that uh, author, that extraordinary film based on a book by a Danish author, of course, Mrs. Blixen. And uh, when, in fact, um, I left <coughs> Germany as a 17-year-old, I did the first painting of my future home, Africa. And in fact, I already then painted Horizons. But when I went to Southwest Africa, this is when you really feel like a grain of sand in a landscape where there is just no human of uh, civilization. It is just from horizon to horizon. And um, so I did the series of paintings called Namibia, one, two, three, and four, etc. When I came back from this trip with my family in 1970, and I say 1970 because I called it the Namibia series. We all call Southwest Africa Namibia now, but I called it that six years before it was named such. And um, so um, in that case, uh, you probably have a very good explanation about my love for Africa, which uh, will never die. How come you then left Africa? There must have been a good reason for that, Nils, and maybe you can tell me about that. There must be something that you felt very strongly about. And uh, I feel maybe Marina wants to talk about that. Why did you all leave Africa? Well, we had three children, and they were growing up, and the future wasn't looking too bright. And I was having had a bit of the um, experience of parents who were refugees and running away from all the ghastly things that 
that war and all that brings, um, there was a last thing I, we wanted for our children, and we thought that if we're going to make the move, we'd better do it before our eldest son goes into his teens to make the whole changeover easier. And through most marvellous circumstances and through a very good old friend of ours, famous dancer Ivan Nage and his wife Marilyn Burr, we came to Mallorca and into this glorious village, Valdemosa. And I must say, we don't regret it at all. When I look at our children now, these 32, 33 years later, and I see the eldest son is an astrophysicist who comes very regularly to the States and goes to all your big... Arizona. To Arizona. To He's just been there. He's all over the world with his... Um, Guy, he is gazing at the stars and doing all his readings, and and our youngest son is fighting all the big fires through with his aeroplane, and now in the Spanish Air Force, and our daughter is um, a dancer and and loving being a marvelous, marvelous mother. But anyway, stop me on my children because I never stop. Here's Eleanor, take the phone. <laughs> I start to stretch out my hand <laughs> and. Um, Marina, I feel you have, you were born in Russia and you no, no? South Africa. South Africa. South Africa. Oh, oh, okay. South Africa. So your actually your parents came to right. yeah, but I, I yes. never knew that. that oh, I, okay. I always spoke Russian at home. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. 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 So well, I thought you were born in Russia, so that I was wrong about that. Now, uh, how come you picked being an artist? What made you feel you were to become an artist? <laughs> You were in your soul, weren't you? Right from the word go. There was just an inner drive, and um, I can't sing, and I possibly could have been a doctor, I think, like my grandfather. And um, But uh, there was this youngster who was actually um, uh, on the on the tightrope with all this post-war trauma experience, and the on the tightrope there was one thing that steadied me always was my pencil and possibly my brush, and that is a young boy already of six, seven, and um, it kept my balance. And um, just to tell you briefly, there was a fire that was raging in the house opposite in 1948, just after the war, and the um, fire brigades were, were dousing the flames, or trying to douse the flames opposite. My father was throwing, packing together all the bedding and throwing it out of the window. And I was standing in the doorway with a sketch pad and a pencil and said, I'm ready to go. And so there you are. That was from the age of eight onwards. And it, I never stopped while I was a teenager, which is very unusual. Same, always observing. And then uh, it was just a, a passion for visualizing my surrounding and human relations. And about that I can tell you more later. Uh, Nils, if people want to get hold of you, they would like you to paint their portrait or something because you're so versatile. I see you do book covers and you do CD and DVD covers and you do regular large paintings, small paintings, and you do uh, uh, portraits a lot. And uh, if people want, and of course you do church windows, and that is your speciality, and you do that uh, a lot now. And if anyone out there in the world would like to get hold of you, how can they get hold of you? Do you know your email address, or should I pass that on to, to Marina? What do you know email address? Oh, the email address, yes. Okay. It's Nils, that's N-I-L-S, 
um, at Bowitz, B-U-R-W-I-T-Z, a minus sign, a hyphen, if you like to call it, art, A-R-T, dot com. That's the address. You will always get a reply. Unfortunately, but have a, you can have a look at Niels's website, which is what? Berwitz, B-U-R-W-I-T-Z, What's at? No, minus. No, art. Uh, anyway, it's minus art com. Art. I don't know. It's something like it. You'll find it. <laughs> if you just put Niels Burwitz into your Google thing, you'll get his webpage. Hold on. Here he is. Talking about portraiture, I had um, today a visit from one of my students who has come to the island with 10 of his students. He actually has 100, meanwhile, in Germany. But I uh, showed them three portraits, the three portrait drawings. The first one was of Nadine Gordimer, a South African writer, which I, whom, I, whom I sketched in 1979 at Witz University in the last pen meeting in that university before they disbanded. She won the Nobel Prize, of course, in the 90s. And then I, in '83, I sketched a young professor from Cape Town University, J.M. Kutsia, who uh, got a Nobel Prize in literature 20 years later. And when I was arriving on this island, I eventually made contact with Camilo José Cela um, in '86. And... Um, well, what can I tell you? I eventually made his portrait in his house in 88, and in 89 he was given the Nobel Prize in Stockholm for literature. So that's just three, you know, people I've <laughs> So any, any budding writers, you know, just make contact with me and you'll get the Nobel Prize. <laughs> I listen, I'm listening, I'm going to write my next book. <laughs> By the way, I have my books out, uh, Constant Awakening. You can get it at Amazon.com. And um, Who Am I and Where Am I Going? Also at Amazon.com. And again, as uh, Marina so correctly said, all you have to go to is Google.com and punch in Nils Burwitz, N-I-L-S, a new word, B for boy, U R. W I T Z for zebra, and um, you would get him coming up, and then you can get through to him that way. I always do it that way. If I want to email them, I go to Google, <laughs> and then you find out a little bit more about him too. And uh, I have so many uh, questions, really. Now, when you paint, uh, Nils, and uh, is it a lonely job? I mean, is it a lonely thing to do? to paint and stand there in the studio by yourself or do you have visitors or you are very happy with playing the music and and, and doing your your work so to speak how do you feel about that pretty curious you're probably more in connection with everybody around you while you're on your own in the studio it's a very they're very special vibes i mean if this program didn't come on straight away today through the telephone services, it's telepathy that does it. And I've been talking to all of you for some time already, since 9 o'clock. You could feel that, I'm sure. And Elena does that in any case. She gets through through telepathy 
like nobody else does. She has a wonderful touch and feeling about what is going on in the other person. And um, if I'm in the studio, I, I have a wonderful exchange. I'm never alone in that sense. Let us also say that I'm in fact making work that talks about human relationships. So there's a very intense uh, triangular situation between, and now let's use the word, God, man, and creation. And then it goes back to God, man, and creation. And it just spins around like this. And um, I must say that living on this island, living in this village, there is also a an extraordinary sense, strength of faith that's uh, come back, which I must say I had just egoistically in myself before in my work, but it is now actually spreading out because I'm doing these church windows. And um, let's put it this way. It talks about uh, don't look at the work, don't look at the man opposite you, the woman opposite you from the outside. Do as Goethe said, go into the church and then you see the splendor of the windows and the same happens with people. Elena is always talking about the light and the light, let it come in. And there's a most wonderful uh, sentence from the medieval mystic philosopher who was in fact born on this island in 1232 and uh, the one great philosopher called Ramon Yul And he says that um, the cloud that is between the lover and the beloved, you work that one out, the lover is, that's us, and the beloved is, of course, the superior existence. And um, this cloud, in fact, is as bright as the moon at night, as the morning star, as the sun at day, and the understanding in our willpower. And through this cloud, and I think that cloud actually is a church window, if I you know, connect that with myself, talk, uh, talking the lover and the beloved. I hand you over to Elena. How um, do you renew yourself in your inspiration? I mean, you must be able to renew since there are so many different facets of, of, of the art. Of art. And, uh, what, what, of course, and you have your wife and you have your children, you have your grandchildren around you, but otherwise, how can you renew yourself just so you feel that you can expand all the time? Because you really have to expand, don't you? I know I have to expand. Each year I'm expanding a little bit more. Do you do the same thing? I think it just happens uh, listening to good music, live performances, being part of it, drawing the musicians while they're performing, uh, finding out or trying to find out what is what changes them from an ordinary citizen to a magnificent performer who touches the others through their voice, through their violence, through their piano playing, and it's also enjoying the art of the others. I think this is, uh, gives you new inspiration all the time. There is no shortage in this life um, because our great gift that we have, all of us, we have imagination. And let's just, uh, I think, play on that wonderful piano, which has an endless set of keys. Endless. And if you have the time. I think also that if you have the time and patience to actually listen, 
people don't listen today. And it's that listening that is so important and to take things slowly, not rushing. And then suddenly you get really knocked out by everything around you. And this is what I've seen in Nils. And I must tell you for the secret on my part, I'm awfully glad he's an artist because I know that when he's been really creative, he comes back totally, totally charged up with new batteries. And that's, that's good. And whenever his batteries go down, he just has to go and work and he comes back recharged. Here's Elena. That sounds so good. And you're so tuned in to each other. So I feel that if he's down, you know it immediately. So there's no no guesswork there. <laughs> so uh, you don't feel that you isolate yourself because of the work or anything like this um, in, in no way, no. In no way at all. No, because I heard it from other artists, and, and yeah. they say, oh, I'm so isolated. I I put myself in my room and <laughs> paint, and I never see anyone. But for you, that's not the case mm-hmm. at all, I understand. I can answer that, too, in a different way. I mean, yeah. if you think of it that in uh, the year 2001, for the first time in 50 years, the work of the UNHCR, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, was given an annual day of, well, of memorizing their work for the refugees, um, a subject, a theme, an activity that just doesn't stop, which since the Second World War, this when it was instituted in '48, actually, um, has just become uh, multiplied and multiplied. And I did the poster for them. They asked me to do the poster for a conference on uh, the refugee camps in southern Africa. And I did that poster, which is still, I think, adorned around Africa. And it's the southern continent where all the countries are different colors. They're different colored of bags of wheat, of grain. And they all have a point where the grain punctured, where the grain falls out, and those are the refugee camps. The work is to put those refugees back, to make them returnees, and they're actually returning through the good offices of the United Nations High Commissioner. And then I did another poster for them, etc. So I'm always in contact with others. You know, it's not just my work. And um, let's put it this way. The latest Declaration of Love to Africa is an image of the python dance of the young nubile girls going into the world, which uh, is being performed annually in the Venda tribe on the South African Zimbabwe border. And I just hope that this uh, ritual, this tradition, will still uh, prevail and uh, make people get together and be an example for the rest of the world. Africa has its wonderful, positive points. Uh, And I'm just looking at the switchboard. We only have 30 seconds left, but we can continue to record what I've been told, so we can continue our talk a little bit longer. But I saw that painting with the girls, the African girls, and I I, I just loved it. I liked the the feeling. The energy is the right word. The energy was incredible. Yes. And I was thinking about it, and I cannot even get it out of my mind. So you really have created very, very strong energy in that painting. Uh, you said before regarding South Africa that you couldn't paint. You were not allowed to paint Nelson Mandela when he was in prison? 
No, you're not allowed to paint his face. You're not allowed to paint his portrait. You're not allowed to reproduce a photograph of him in the press because he was a prisoner. Oh. It's one of those laws. Yeah, I don't know what's happening now, but uh, at that time it was. And uh, so uh, I found the solution. You know what I mean? I made it that psychogram, that guessing game of two profiles meeting, which has another variation that the space between the two profiles becomes a cup. Mm. You know, until the cup runneth over. And what was the exact reason why he was in prison? Ooh la la, he was a terrorist at the time. I mean, he was blowing up uh, uh, power masts, you know what I mean, or his people were. I mean, he wasn't, but uh, and um, he was the uh, driving force behind the African National Congress. And I met him, in fact, because, and this is the interesting part in the world today, is that when de Klerk realized in 88, 89, that his own people said apartheid doesn't work economically. His own wise men from the University of Stellenbosch said it doesn't work economically. Uh, he, well, stretched out the hand. That was a, a, an extraordinary move too of forgiveness on the part of de Klerk as um, the head of the South African white government at the time. So let's give them both credit. I think this is very important. And they avoided the bloodshed at the time. So when the ANC was then legalized, I was invited to this particular evening, the celebration, because a German insurance company had given the space, the office space, to the ANC. And there was security and everything. And uh, so this was a thank you. And that was the exchange at that time. I heard Marina whisper enough politics and, uh, you know, <laughs> that is, you know, I'm very interested in politics myself and would have gone into politics, actually, but now I went into spirituality instead, okay. <laughs> which is, of course, the, the total opposite of, 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 of politics. But, um, uh, you know, I wanted to change the world, and uh, I think maybe we can change the world more through spirituality than what we can do uh, with with the politics, because after all, politics is a sort of control, and with the spirituality, you can never control spirituality. It's the freedom, you know, it's a total freedom away from any kind of control. That's also the difference, as I've said many times, the difference between religion and spirituality, that Religion is controlled one way or the other. You're told what to believe and you're told point one, two, three, and you have a leader to make sure that you believe this way, whereas spirituality is you and your God in a oneness relationship, and there's no one interfering into that relationship at all. I think this has been a wonderful uh, time to meet with you both, and we are uh, going to stay together here in Valdemosa a little bit longer. I'm going back to the to, to United States in just a few days, but I'm going to be back in Valdemosa in, in just a few weeks. And I hope to see everyone. I would like to thank Marina for being here, and of course our star, Nils Burris, 
And um, again, the website, the best way of getting Nils Burvitz is through google.com, I would say, the easiest one. And here I will pass you on to Nils. Maybe, Nils, you can just tell me something really exciting or a very good story. The story is actually uh, not an anecdote. It's just an absolute fact. Um, the... Uh, our faith, our belief, our personal faith, our personal belief, however we practice it, it's in fact uh, the one thing that really is positive for the immune system of the soul. We can have all sorts of pharmaceuticals for the immune system of the body, but what about the immune system of the soul? There we go. Just believe. And your belief will set you free, won't it? <laughs> and again, your belief will also create the one you are. That's the energy, you, you, the fuel that you put into yourself. Whatever you believe is going to happen. And if you believe that something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. Wrong things happen anyway. But if you believe in it, then you can have a guaranteed wrong going. So anyway, thank you all. And let's meet again in one week's time when I'm back in the United States of America. And I'm going to be back one more time, I hope, with Nils and Marina. <laughs> you know, they, they look a little bit nervous about it, but it has been a very, very nice time. And I thank you all for being here, a little bit belated. And because of that, I see no one has called in. But next time, thank you so very much and have a really very, very good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. We know we